Welcome to the Morning Sanity Check, where we talk about the different pillars of resilience, spiritual, physical, social, and mental. Join us so we can talk about it, then be about it. Let the show begin. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome to another day, and welcome to the Sanity Check. My name is Seth. And I'm Camille. And we're here to make sure everything is good with you. Part of being well and and practicing great wellness checks is making sure you're sane in the process. So if you are, if this is your first time here, good morning. Hey, how you doing, Matt? Good morning. Hey, hey, ma'am, how are you? So if this is your first time, ladies and gentlemen, on, please make sure that you go to StreamYard.com forward slash Facebook so that your comments and everything can be posted. All right. So what's going on, Camille? How's everything? Everything is everything. <laughs> Things are going good. Um, you know, I'm happy, healthy and whole. Mm-hmm. And it's been a pretty good week for me. So I have no complaints whatsoever. How about yourself? You know, it's going all right. It's going all right. I'm just still trying to um, just get get my days wrapped around. It seems like now that uh, the times are changing, the season is changing, the days are getting shorter. So I feel like I need to hurry up and do everything that I need to do within that day. So it's crazy. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So yes, everyone, welcome, welcome. And please make sure you share this. It's only going to take a couple seconds just to share this because we're going to be giving out a lot of great information about um, confirmation bias. Now, last week, if you joined us, we spoke a little bit about it or a lot of bit about it. But this week, we want to go into some more uh, different type of biases, but also what it can do to you personally and physically. What you think, Camille? Absolutely. Uh, a lot of times we don't even know we have these biases. And we don't. if we don't know what they are, we don't know how they affect us. And then when we become aware of what they are and we can kind of acknowledge or see how it does affect us, then we can make changes, right? So we can uh, put ourselves in a better mental state, a better emotional state, a better physical state, because a lot of what goes on psychologically manifests itself physically in our bodies. And so we wonder why some things are out of out of whack. And typically it's because our minds are also out of whack. So we just want to help get you back together. Yes, yes, yes. So yes, good morning. And yes, and another thing too, with um, understanding a different confirmation bias, people tend to, and I know I'm guilty of this, learning something and start to try to connect who do we think that falls in line with? Okay, that's one way. But the most important thing is how do I think? Right. Why do I make the choices that I make? So if you can remember the last time we talked about who taught you how to love, who taught you how to connect with people, who taught you that? And it's a rhetorical question, seriously and generally, but there are situations and uh, events that may have happened in our lives that cause us to think a certain way. With that being said, you need to think about what type of I guess, what type of result did you receive based off of your confirmation bias or falling into someone else's confirmation bias? So we're going to dive into those today. So you ready, Camille? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So here's the first one. 
All right, so I am gonna be talking a little bit about what we call anchoring bias. So there are several different types of biases out there. All of us fall into one, two, three, 10, 20, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, but we're just trying to give a name to it and kind of uh, walk you through it and how do we avoid those things so that we can, you know, grow our relationships and our friendships and everything like that. So with anchoring bias, it causes it's one of those things that we rely heavily on, like the first piece of information that we receive. Um, you know, we're we're kind of we get a number or a thing. So say that with the deaths of Corona, I'll just use that as an example, right? So we said, oh, we're going to have a 100,000 person loss. Well, then anything we kind of judge or make adjustments about um, how we want to interpret that information. And when we get different information, we decide whether it's um, faulty or whether it's true based on the initial uh, information that we give. Maybe that's not a good one, but I'll give you another an example. Right? <laughs> so that um, kind of, you know, maybe puts it in, in perspective for you. But say somebody is going to court. They were charged with a burglary. Right. So the prosecutor starts with um, the argument. Mr. X has a long criminal history. And I just want you to think about that as we discuss the evidence in this case. Table that. Right. They go on, talk about all this evidence. Well, the jury already has that anchored in their mind that he's a criminal. Right. Even though the evidence may clearly show that Mr. X was not complicit in this case, this particular burglary, and that all the facts are there that he wasn't even there. The anchor has already been placed. It's already been said in their minds that he's a criminal and the probability of him committing this crime is really, really great. So even though the evidence is that that says he has not done it, you'll have some jurors that go, but he's a criminal. Mm -hmm. He could have done it. He could have hid the evidence or whatever. So a lot of times in courtrooms, that anchor is set already. They place, you know, an, an idea in the person's mind and they have to judge all the new evidence or all the facts against what they initially heard. So we do that a lot in life. You know, it is it, anything, you know, from how um, I was looking up how judges do sentencing. So based on, say, the average, they'll give them and say, well, this person um, on average gets this sentencing for this particular crime. Uh, judges will increase or decrease based on that anchor because there's a few of them that go, hmm, wait, 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 that doesn't seem well, uh, you know, right or whatever, but they will typically base their, um, the way that they sentence off of that initial anchor. And most of the time it's on the high side. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, those are just simple examples um, of anchoring bias, how we just stick to that first set of information we know. And in today's, today's times, we always talk about it where, you know, information is regurgitated and regurgitated and be like, okay, those are the same talking points. I'm not going to get into the political realm, but, you know, those are the same talking points. And then when you ask for any evidence uh, to support that, there's none there. See? It's just something that was regurgitated because they anchored everything. So when they're seeing stuff or hearing stuff, you know, it's based on that initial idea that was given to them. And they hold so firm to that even when there's evidence to disprove, again, that that thing is um, false. Right. Well, so that's called an anchoring bias. So I just want to ask you, Seth, I'm, I'm going to talk about how to avoid it. But before we go into that, you know, is there any idea that maybe you held on to um, that you got a bit of information and you took it as golden? Good morning, Jamila. Um, but you took it as golden 
And no matter what you were presented with, you had a hard time accepting the new evidence uh, that disproved what you initially thought. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's it's hard. It's hard because it's it's it, the reason why it was hard for me. It, anything it, it's to do or to understand that's part of growing pains. Part of those growing pains is the. Uh, the the feeling that you get when you find out that what you was holding so dear to isn't true, mm-hmm. or it may be true or may have been true in that situation. But now that you are part of that equation, mm-hmm. it's not really true anymore. Now you're forced to see another side of it. The hard part is when the proof is undeniable. And it is right there, black and white. So then you're actually holding on to something that's faulty, you see. And so if I really, really want to uh, follow or grow into a, a, a certain type of person, right, or or be the change that I want to see, the first thing I have to do is change the way I think. So I have to ask myself, wait, why did I think that in the first place? Oh, <laughs> right. Because somebody said that happened to them. And now I've, I've been believing that for 40 years. You right. know what I mean? So I have no reason not to believe that. But today I do. Mm-hmm. Yes. And see, that's the thing. Yes. Guilty of anchoring biases. Hey, and good morning. Good morning, good morning. everybody. And, and so, yes, to your point, we have to really take a look and think about it. Why are we holding on to something even though everything in front of us is not true? It's sure so, it's not true. It is. And oftentimes, you know, we and here's a, just a person like on a personal individual level, um, not really like a systemic level or anything like that. But like when people tell us something about someone. And we begin to treat them a certain way because of the idea that was planted in us about who this person was. Um, And so we tend to look at that person and judge them without even getting to know them because somebody else said that they were a bad person. So what they didn't tell. Yeah. mm -hmm. What they didn't tell you was that they were toxic to that person. Mm-hmm. You know, or that their personalities just didn't match, but this person is actually good. And so when there's conflicting evidence, you're like, but they told me that this person, oh, and now I still got to watch out for them. I always got to watch my back around this person. And we spend so much, inf- I mean, so much time trying to, um, trying to find evidence to hold on to that initial idea that I think sometimes we kind of um, lose out on meeting good people. You know, because of their relationship or the idea that was planted um, from someone else that we held on to because that was the initial uh, impression that we got. And we were looking when we first met them for anything to confirm that, to mm-hmm. say that, nope, they weren't a good person. And then it was, oh, she she rolled her eyes when she got here. Oh, he said this or whatever. And then we go, yep, it must be true. So, you, you know, know that, you're absolutely right. You're right. And, you know, that ties in real good to the next one. Contrast yeah. effect. Okay. I was gonna say, I want oh, before we go, before mm-hmm. we go forward, I do want to just talk about some ways to avoid that. Okay. Um, so before we you know get into it too much, but uh with anchor and bias, one of the best ways um to really kind of overcome that. Uh you ever hear some people talking about devil's advocates? Mm-hmm. You want to talk about a devil ad- so sometimes it's good to bring in another person mm-hmm. to say, you know what, this is the idea that I believed. You know, and this person is arguing this. Give us both sides of the story or a different perspective on both sides. And then it forces us to really look at the evidence 
from an uh, objective person, a person who has no, you know, dog in the fight or whatever, and then reevaluate what we initially thought. Mm-hmm. So it's always good to have that person who's a devil's advocate um, mm-hmm. to come in, step in and say, okay, let me listen to both sides and let me hear, tell you what I hear. Right. And so another reason, I'll just give you one more quick reason, uh, because we are really, really unaware that this stuff is happening. These biases are something that le- uh, happens on the, the uh, subconscious level. Um, you got to make sure you have the evidence. So you need to, with yourself, you don't always have to have another person, but kind of do a challenge to yourself. Come up with some reasons why this anchor may not be appropriate for this situation. Like you were talking to your point, uh, Seth, Mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, that happened there, but it's not appropriate for here. So by doing that mental exercise of challenging your own thoughts by looking at reasons, okay, let me just see the other side. What if? You can be your own devil's advocate if you're aware that these biases exist. Um, you can say, wait a minute, am I really, really looking at this right? right. Let me see. Let me, you know, ask myself some questions. Mm-hmm. If this was somebody else, or if this was another situation, would I still be doing the same thing? So getting those, um, coming up with those reasons as to why this anchor is not appropriate in this situation will also help you to think you know, do some critical thinking and uh, come up with a fact-based or evidence-based answer rather than holding on to that anchor. That may not be true. So, Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So now going into the next one. So the contrast effect. All right. Now, a little bit about the contrast effect. All right, that is a bias that refers to evaluating the performance of one person in contrast to another because of what you've experienced. Okay, so let's think about this in lines of being at work, okay, or or in an organization, whatever the case it is. You see two different people, but you are leaning towards an, an individual based off of your personal experiences that you may have had with someone, but you're not putting into consideration what they can do for the organization. You get what I mean? So it could be positive or it can be negative, meaning I may you know, be a CEO or a um, uh, owner of a company. And because I have a good work or a good friendship with someone and they are interested in being in the team, they might not be the best person for that job. Whereas I have someone else that is all the way qualified, but since I already have a longstanding relationship, I know, like, and trust this person on a different level, I'm not even going to consider this other person. So I want you to ask yourself, have you ever been in that situation, right? Have you ever been in that situation where you cut out someone or you did not even consider a person based off of the relationship that you had with someone else. Has that happened to you, Camille? It, I mean, yes, probably earlier on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to, because I realized a while back, you know, when you're put in charge of certain, good morning, Silas, um, in, cer- in charge of certain projects and stuff like that, it's really important to have the right people, mm-hmm. not just your people. And so with some things um, I learned early that sometimes your friends are not, you know, you want to pull up your friends and everything, but if they're not the best fit there, they're not, not the best fit. 
And I did find that out early that I wanted to surround myself and pull other people up because, you know, I knew them. I wanted to give them a piece of the pie and everything. And there were clearly some other people that probably could have done the job better. Um, but after, you know, you have a fail to you like, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, my reputation is on the line here. I need to make sure that I have the right people in place. And so, um, you know, with friends and things like that, I would say, well, if you can do the job, you know what I mean? And you're you can handle all of this. But if you can't let me know, because I'll replace you, right. you know, and find somebody else. And so but I typically try to diversify um, the groups, or, you know, the people that are working to do that. But, yes, I have been guilty of that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. have been guilty of that. And so have I. And and ladies and gentlemen, if you guys are just tuning in, we're talking about confirmation biases and how to avoid certain traps. And we just we just finished talking about well, not necessarily finished talking about, but we're currently talking about the contrast effect. And mm -hmm. how can you avoid that? So if you find yourself comparing two people, especially in, let's say, a hiring process or you have a project that you want to do and you want to make sure you have the right people there. Take some time. You don't always have to make a decision right then and there. Like, you know what? My aunt is going to be the best for this because I've seen what she did. Wait, but hold tight. You get what I mean? You may not want to do that. So write down why are you leaning towards that person versus the other person and make sure that your assessment of each of them individual that you're assessing both of them as an individual and not comparison to one another because sometimes we will pick someone just because we like them or just because of you know what they remember me back in the 80s you get what i mean and that might not be pertinent for today and this next situation so i want you guys to really really think about that and again this is the sanity check just to make sure you're saying you may know individuals that do this on the regular and you may have been on the opposite end of it and you were not chosen or uh, picked for a specific position or promotion or whatever the case it is. Just realize that not every opportunity is for you. And some knows, well, a lot of times knows in O stands for next opportunity. OK, because you don't necessarily want to involve yourself with individuals that think that way. So be cognizant of that. And it's not always a bad thing when you don't when that door do close. But for those of you that's just tuning in, we are talking about confirmation biases. And if you are on Facebook right now and you want to have your po your comment posted, make sure you go to StreamYard.com forward slash Facebook. All right. So we can get it in. All right. Camille, you ready for the next one? Yes. But I also want to say before I get into this bandwagon effect, y'all can call in, too. We oh, do yeah. have a call in. So if you have some want to share some insights, some stories, um, you know, hit a point for us or whatever. We welcome you to call in um, to the show and so that we can hear you. So if you got anything, call in. Right. 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 Yeah. So. So what do we have? What do you have next? You ready? So I am. Okay. I am. So the bandwagon effect, uh, we always talk about, you know, oh, this person, I know you've heard it a thousand times. This person jumps on the bandwagon, you know, oh, they was like in this sports. And I'll just talk about uh, sports, you know, for instance, say somebody was a Lions fan, you know, and back in the day, the Lions were doing good. And oh, I'm a diehard Lions fan. And then you get another team that comes on on scene. 
And then now all of a sudden you see all these other people, you see that their record is going up, 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 up. And then you see all the people like that used to be so loyal to the lions. Now they like jumping on this person. They're like, oh, that record is good. When I want to be, uh, I'll just say for lack of a better, you know, whatever, the Giants fan, I'll be a Giants fan. And so they start rooting for the Giants. You're like, man, I'm out here all alone, kind of like, you know. I'm the only one out here by myself, you know, still rooting for the lions. So what tends to happen is that we worry about uh, not fitting in. We worry about being left on the outskirts and that we're going to be ostracized or, you know, whatever. And so then even though we are still loyal to the to the lions, even though our heart is still with the lions because of our, our need to fit in or to be a part of a bigger thing or be on a winning team. We jump ship, even when it goes against our, um, you know, values and our more morals or whatever. So we we adopt those behaviors because a whole bunch of other people do the same thing. And so um, it's important that we kind of really um, evaluate our ours, our ideas, our behaviors um, based on merit you know, instead of just what other people are doing. And that happens a lot, um, you know, social, political, whatever. Uh, people often, when you ask them why, just I'll talk about opponents for a second, I won't get into them, but why they would vote for uh, one opponent over another one. And you ask, no, I want to really know why. There's very little information that they have other than well, kind of maybe everybody else is doing it or, you know, you feel like you're going against the grain because you're a rebel at heart. But that person really goes against everything that you stand for. You have to reevaluate kind of why you want to be part of the majority instead of just being you. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it's OK. I felt like that, too. I know I, I'm different than a lot of people in my in my career field. You know, I think differently and I had to just learn to be OK with that. But some people don't want to. And I'll just give you another example. Um, and this is nothing against like um, what do you call them? Vax anti-vaxxers or whatever the case is. You know, people feel one way or another. Um, but a few years ago, I had got pertussis because a lot of people in the area were not vaccinating their kids. If you don't know what pertussis is, it's what they used to call whooping cough, you know, them old uh, illnesses or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like coughing up my lungs. And they had to tell me that a lot of people were not vaccinating their children in the area. So that that um, particular illness was on the rise again. And so I guess I happen to be around people. So the more people in, in a small area that are not vaccinated, these things start coming up again. And so um, that's just one thing of bandwagon. You see people, oh, well, they didn't have theirs. Their kids are fine. Theirs, their kids are fine, but it's affecting other people as well. And so you have to really say, okay, do the benefits outweigh the, you know, the possible damage that could be done or whatever, and then make a decision based on that. And I know that they do. Like I said, I'm not against them or anything like that, but I'm just saying how certain things um, can affect, you know, a wider population of people um, because we want to jump on the bandwagon for good or for whatever or bad um, mm -hmm. and do what we want to do. So, you know, we do, we do that. We see a lot of people, but have you jumped on what bandwagon you jumped on, sir? Cause I know, you know I'm, not, I'm not a bandwagon jumper, you know, and I think that's what I pride myself on. And but what a lot of times, if individuals try to sway me, 
right? They'll try to sway me because uh, they have the facts that contradict my, the reason why. For example, I'm a Lions fan, but they feel some people feel like, oh, I'm a Lions fan just because of Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders ain't played in the mm-hmm. NFL for almost 20 something years, you see. Right. But at the end of the day, I'm a Lions fan for a different reason. So it comes to the point where I don't care what the stats say. I'm a fan because I'm a fan and I don't care if you like it or not. And it's okay. We can still be cool and watch the game and talk about it or whatever, but I'm not changing my hat. I'm not changing my, you get what I'm saying? Who I'm rooting for. So ladies and gentlemen, that's something to be aware of. Yeah. Right? If, if, if you're not feeling something, it's okay. It is all right. But just because, the 80 or 90% is doing something that's not in line with what you're doing or the way that you feel it's okay because yes. you have to realize that it can bleed over to some things that you know if you change for one thing you can change for other and so then you need mm-hmm. to ask yourself why won't i stay put Mm-hmm. The reason why I'm jumping on this bandwagon is because all of my friends are doing this and now I'm going to ascribe to this. Or I'm subscribing to this new way of thinking or this new team, even though deep down inside, I don't like that team. Right. I just want to, like you said earlier, fit in. So me personally, I don't know. I stay put, you know what <laughs> I mean? Until, and then I can have the numbers or whatever. I'm like, okay, that's what's up. It's right. still Lions though. Yeah. But right. and then to that point, you know, a lot of people don't understand that you don't have to make a decision right away. That's right. You know, you can slow down the decision making process. You can think about it. You know, okay, now this new team or this record is better. Allow some time to pass because somebody will have one good season and then fall off the next. Now you really bandwagon hopping, you know, that whole mob mentality that they just going from one thing to the other. So take some time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's how we can avoid it. You know, allow uh, yourself to process of the information that you have, and then you can make an, a final decision based on the information that you've gathered, gathered over a period of time. So it's not just one little snippet in time, but you're kind of looking at, you know, a lot of factors to help you to come to that conclusion. And then another thing is, um, if you make a decision, you know, don't try to make a decision around a whole bunch of people that are on that bandwagon. Go into an area where you don't feel pressured at home. Take the time, sit back, think about, you know, why am I really switching sides or why, what are my thought processes concerning this? You know, I know they they want me to do this and, you know, be around them and all this, but mm, I just don't want to. Right. Yeah. The decision when you're not feeling pressured by other people, you're not around a whole lot of people, you know what I mean? And so just, you know, with that, And then also just kind of thinking about alternate, same thing, alternative views, you know, Um, is it good for me to go along with this or is it not good and why? And so just take the time alone, take some time, be by yourself before you make decisions. There's very few decisions that you have to make on the spot like that, big decisions, or, um, you know, that you just cannot, you just don't have the time to act typically Mm -hmm. when it's safety, life or death or something like that. But other than that, you typically have time to just kind of sit back and think and reevaluate. Why am I doing this? And uh, do I really want to be part of the group or do I want to be who I am? Right. So like James says, he says, some people are uncomfortable walking alone. The illusion of inclusion is like a disease at times. You're absolutely right. And and then also ask yourself, are you trying to pressure someone to jump in your wagon? 
Absolutely. Think about Absolutely. It. Because you, you know, we're all individuals and no mm-hmm. one really likes to be alone, so mm-hmm. to speak, you know, but is it your responsibility to recruit individuals to think like you? Right. It's not your responsibility. Now, what you can do, you can have the information to enlighten, but it's their responsibility if they want to, you know, believe what you believe or just, you know, even entertain the uh, the, the the other side. But don't pressure people because sometimes that peer pressure may push individuals completely away from yeah. you based off. And, and you just may be trying to help quote unquote, help them out. And they may be a Lions fan, but you're trying to really say, no, you need to be a Green Bay fan because this is the best team in America. Like, really? Right. If that was the best team in America, why, you know, where's their championships? Now, I know Detroit may not be a champion type of team, but that's my team. But what's going to happen is if you're pushing so much that one issue, it can push the whole relationship away. So be yeah. cognizant of that and, and really think about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yep. And people, you know, a lot of people are people pleasers. Mm-hmm. And so you put that pressure on their, them and they're having pressure coming from all different angles. And you you might be that person, mm-hmm. you know, and if you feel like you just want to explode. You're like, oh, my God, I don't even know who I am. You know, I don't know which direction I'm going in. Imagine the people that you're putting that pressure on. You know what I mean? That it's okay. We can still be friends and have different views. Yes. We can still root for different teams. You know what? You wear your cheese head and I have my lion head on. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then we can go and we can have healthy competition. It doesn't mean that you have to change. And because you're not a fan that I don't, there's no connection there. Um, and you don't. And, I, and then the other thing is I don't like fickle people anyway. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That every time the, the wind blows, you go with this and this and that. No, you mm-hmm. know, trees get strong by withstanding. They stand. They don't move, you know, a little bit bending here and there. But ultimately, you know, they they it builds something in you when you have to stand alone. You and know, you don't like standing alone, but it just it makes you. I don't know. I, and, and you know, I think about that, especially when it comes down to friends. Yes. Right. You have individuals that are just fair weather friends. They're around when everything is good. Right. But then when something happens in your life and you you see it feels like the whole world is turning against you, even that friend that was with you yes. at that time. Now they are turning against you. Now they are that fair weather friend. So think about that. That may be a bandwagon friend. They go with the majority. Oh, look, look what look what uh look what Seth doing today. It's kind of crazy, ain't it? You know, I think it is kind of crazy. So let him go on by himself, but you don't know what Seth is dealing with. Exactly. You don't know that you know it's something mm-hmm. that is going on that's causing that. But if you see everyone else turning their back on me or someone, then you're turning your back. What type of friend are you? You're now a conditional friend. So you're following everyone else's decision based off of where you see everyone is going instead of looking at what has caused it. Yeah. And my mentality is not a good, there's no real good um, uh, connotation to that. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what the bandwagon effect is, is we think about mobs. We think of people that destroy stuff because there's this group thing. Mm-hmm. Nobody is thinking for themselves and thinking rationally or logically. I'm not going to say nobody, but 
You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It's an idea that one and everybody just goes kind of blindly uh, without sitting back and evaluating the evidence, the facts, you know, how you feel, how it's in conflict with your personal uh, views or values, your morals, you know, whatever. And mm -hmm. then we wonder why a lot of people are in conflict. That causes a person to be angry when you're going against what you truly believe just because everybody else is. There's inner conflict and that causes anger. And yes. people act and behave in ways that they don't even know why they have all this going on. But it's because you're doing stuff outside of what you believe in or what you know to be right. Just Absolutely. to please other people. So it's mm -hmm. OK to walk alone. It it's is. Okay. It is. It is. Okay. So, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we want to say good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Sanity Check. If you have not done so already, please go to StreamYard.com forward slash Facebook to give them permission to put your comment up. All right. And we're talking about confirmation biases. And if you're just joining us, we've talked about the anchoring bias, the uh, contrast by, uh, effect, the bandwagon effect. And we're going to go into another one here pretty soon. But before we do, we have to take a moment to give a special, special shout out to our sponsors. And without them, we wouldn't be here. And including you. Stay tuned. If you're looking to buy or sell anywhere across the 50 states, contact Jamila Seals. Jamila is a realtor with Keller Williams Marquis who exudes credibility, commitment, and determination while serving the Metro East and Scott Air Force Base, Illinois areas. Her warm and friendly approach combined with unparalleled communication skills and enthusiasm for helping others allows her to connect and provide clients with the best possible service and experience. There are three things she does with and for her clients. First, negotiate deals for you. This means she'll treat your money like it's her money. Second, guide you through a simplified process which means she'll provide sound advice to ensure you make an informed decision in identifying or choosing the right house for you. And last but not least, creative marketing. She'll provide a cutting edge marketing plan that's tailor made for you. Bottom line, she's going to get the job done properly and not let you down. So if you're searching for your new dream home, give Jamila a call today at area code 618 Two zero two eight seven five one. Again, that's six one eight two zero two eight seven five one. All right. All right. Hey, everyone. Want to welcome y'all back to the Sanity Check. My name is Seth and I'm here with Miss Camille and we're talking about confirmation biases and what it can do and what it can't do for you and certain things to be aware of. And for, for those of you that have comments, if you would like to call in, the number is below. It's 618-792-6747. So you can communicate and give your testimonies and things that you have learned because you don't come into this world with a owner's manual. Right. Or user's manual. You have to go through some things and understand certain things about life and um, teach. Right. Be willing to share that. Be willing to, to share those uh, those experiences. But um, we want to say good morning to everyone. And if you have time, just put hashtag where you from right now, where you're listening. 
to uh from and 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 everything make sure you share this this is some great great information the next bias that we're going to talk about ladies and gentlemen if you have heard of this or not affinity bias all right this is this is a little different so affinity bias is also called like likes like all right like likes like so this bias refers to our tendency to gravitate towards people similar to ourselves that might mean hiring or promoting someone who shares the same race gender age or educational background and think about how crazy that can be we do this subconsciously sometimes ladies and gentlemen and family we do this subconsciously we see individuals and we automatically assume, yep, same skin, same kin. No, that is not always the case. You understand? Or, oh, this is sister. She can dig what I'm talking about. Look, she got natural hair too, but she could be crazy as cat shit too. You understand what I'm saying? So think about that. Have you ever, ever, ever fell into that type of bias? What about you, Camille? Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things that, like you said, we like what we like, you know, mm -hmm. so we tend to choose people that are like minded, that uh, like the same things that we do. But what it really does is, yes, I have, you know, and but I, I have learned over the years the power and the beauty of diversifying, <laughs> you know, your friend circle, your uh, work centers, your whatever it is that you're doing, because really under the surface, you know, most people want the same things. And then there's so much beauty other people can open you up to. But yes, at one point in my life, all of my, no, no, I'll take that light back. All of them didn't look the same because I'm coming from California, which is very diverse, right? So my friends were Vietnamese, Laotian, Filipino, black, white, mixed, Mexican, you know, Native American, you name it. So I came from a very diverse background. Um, but I started hanging around with people that liked the same things that I liked, you know, and that um, were more similar to me than they were different. And um, it's not boring. It is kind of boring because everybody thinks the same. But when you have somebody that can challenge your thought process and you guys can still laugh and, you know, all that stuff, um, it brings a, a sense of beauty to the relationships, to the friend groups, to, you know, that everybody doesn't look alike. Everybody doesn't. We have our own separate um, views about life and we can share them and we can learn to appreciate each other for them. But I, I, I totally understand. And it's just more comfortable. You know, we like to be comfortable with the yes. folks we're around. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, as, as we grow and mature, like you and I talked about before, you have to come to a point where you are comfortable being uncomfortable. Yes. Because it stretches you and it grows you and it helps you to to see things differently and people differently. And yeah. so I can appreciate that about my journey. Um, but yes, I have fallen into an affinity bias, mm -hmm. especially in picking folks. Yeah. So, no, no. Chips with. No, no, no. I get it. <laughs> just, like, just like your mom says, says yeah, like, likes, like. Yes. Can also be bias of racial slash ethical uh, ethics uh, preference leading to racism. You're absolutely right. And so being from where I'm from, from Detroit, there wasn't a diverse back, um, I guess, environment. I'm not from that. So mm -hmm. it took me to come into the military to really see that, hey, there's individuals that may understand you that don't look like you. But I had to open up and diversify my thought process or be willing 
first because there's individuals that's willing to connect with you that don't look like you. Absolutely. Okay? And what we do is we prevent that from happening. We prevent that just because we're waiting to look for someone that wear, let's say, for example, Air Force One's shoes, just like I do. Right. Or East Coast, they're wearing Tim's like me. So I know this person or from West Coast, they're wearing Chuck Taylor's like me. So they know where I'm coming from. Hold tight. All right. So this is like you said, this is a way to diversify yourself, not just your organization, but also your home. Think about the conversations that you're having in your home, especially if you have the uh, the environment where you're open to bringing individuals in, because we prevent growth when we stifle thought. Right. And, And when we stifle thought, meaning if you can't have different conversations with other individuals, you're limited to your view of the world, right? So keep that in mind. So this is a way for individuals to be a true champion or an influencer in your workspace, in your home, or any type of organization. Think about individuals that don't look like you, but think about the bottom line. What is this person trying to bring to the table, right? Or what is this individual willing to do? And think about where they come from. They might not have come from your direct home, right? Or your neighborhood, but there's very uh, similar situations that they can understand and bring that to the table as well and say, oh, wow, I didn't even think about that. I'm glad you experienced that. I've experienced that. So how did you overcome it? See, you see what you think about that? Exactly. It it helps people see the world Mm -hmm. Um, when they can't get out of their own neighborhoods. When you diversify the people that are around you, diversify the experiences, um, you know, the conversations are different. You can see the world through other people's eyes or their experiences. And what you'll notice a lot of people overseas, they'll be like, oh, you know, people here in the States that have never left, never traveled. And they're always like, oh, well, is this like this? And over there, how are you going to tell me about a country that I've been to? Like, and that I spent significant amount of time, years there, living there. Mm-hmm. How are you going to tell me about a country that you've never even visited? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it helps to, to to broaden their perspective, their world perspective, which a lot of people need, yes. really. You know, because all they see are the images on TV that are not necessarily true. Um, and most of my friends, like you know, some of my best friends don't look like me. You know, their skin is not the same is mine. Their hair is not the same as mine. Their eyes are not the same as mine. Their thought processes, their backgrounds. And so I learn so much through them. And it it shows me places that I want to go or things I want to aspire to. They also are connectors because they don't have the same experience. We're not all in the same circles. So they connect to people that are all around that help to, again, expand my thought process, challenges the way that I think, helps me to see things, and it helps me just to grow as a person. And then also my kids, you know, they talk to my kids and they tell things. But And then the other thing we don't think about is age. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we like people who are around our same age that has the same kind of stuff, but oh, the wisdom that older people have. And oh, how young people keep us on our toes, you know? And so being surrounded by um, different age groups is very, very important as well. So like, likes, like, 
But sometimes, you know, we have to learn to like other things because it's good for us. We may not like vegetables and we want to always eat meat. But guess what? You're gonna end up with rickets. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, just I'm just kidding. But you got to learn that you know you know, you may not really really love it, but you can like it enough in the sense that it's good for you. And yes. You have to have your vitamins. Uh, a little pill ain't gonna always do it. You got to get that natural nutrient in your body. Um, and so you know what? I gotta like it enough, or like me enough, that I know that it's good for me. Exactly. And so like Dandy said, right? She says, yes, I need diversity. And I think we all do, especially, especially if we want to grow. And so I'll always go back to why do you think the way that you think? Why do you connect with the people that you connect to? Now, it is cool. Yes, it is comfortable. Like you said, It's, it's comfortable to like those that look like you or that think like you. However, you're able to expand and stretch yourself when you're able to connect with people that don't. But the bottom line is the same. So they may stimulate you in a different way and wake up something or show you something that you may not have been able to see. They can bring down that blind spot that you may have had for years. And everyone that you associate with have that same blind spot. Now that you have someone else different in the gumbo, you feel me? Now it can taste a little bit different and it it, it adds a, a whole different right. element to the equation. So it's, a, it's so, so important for us to realize who we associate with and why. Let me let me use this really, really quick example when I was in, in high school. Right. So I had moved here to Georgia from California and um, my senior year in school. And um, I met a, a young man who um, he was like, you know, you're from California. Everybody rich. Everybody I'm like, mm, no, there's hoods in every state. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's not all this. And he was like, oh, so he wanted to know about the ocean. He'd only seen the ocean on TV. And so I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, we go to the ocean all the time. You know, he was like, man, that's like a dream. And I'm like a dream. Like, just go to the ocean. We're here in Georgia. The coast is right there. Mm-hmm. You know, literally a couple of hours away. But being in that town where nobody had really kind of stepped out to see the ocean, um, it was like it was something that was unachievable. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I want to go to New York, too. Well, go. What's stopping you? You know, when you have your money or whatever. Just go. And now he travels all over the world. And I remember years ago, he wrote me uh, a little note and he was like, you know, I remember when um, I was telling you that I wanted to see the ocean and you're like, just go. He was like, I went mm-hmm. and I'm going. And he's mm-hmm. been traveling every since. So even though we look alike and things, our experiences were different. And just that little edge of what's stopping you, just go. It's literally on the coast. We're in a st- coastal state. Just go. Um, literally opened up his whole awareness, changed his life. You know that he's out and doing all kinds of stuff and not afraid like he was. So yeah. I just, it, it can be simple. It don't have to be profound. You no, know, no, it doesn't. Just diversifying. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know the people that we're around and the experiences that they have. It's that's so that's key. And and then also too, we need to really look at and listen to those individuals that look like us and the ones that we like, listen to what they're saying. Listen to the conversations. Are they stimulating, again, growth? Because there's individuals that you may be surrounding yourself with that are um, passing fear on you. 
You get what I mean? Saying, for example, to your point, well, well why would you want to go to the ocean? You know, we can't swim. See, yes. stop it. Stop yes. it. And look, look, it might be 10 of your friends saying the same exact thing, but it's one friend that say, well, learn. That was that was that was really it. I swim, but so so small. But why don't you just learn? Or like to your point, if you've never been somewhere, why don't you go? Because it's that fear. If you have individuals that have every excuse or reason why they won't go to the places they want to go, they're going to throw that on you, and then you will pick it up and watch this. You really are not afraid, but they've created this 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 environment of or this sensation of fear. So now you don't want to go where you truly want to go. Watch this. How about if I, want, if I want to go overseas? If I want to go in this overseas, got the money, right? Got the money. All I need to do is get a passport. So as soon as you get the passport, first of all, you don't need anybody's permission to go anywhere. But when we talk and everything, we open up ourselves to that type of ridicule and other people's fears. So sometimes, even though you have people that uh, uh, you know and you like and you 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 want to surround yourself with those individuals, you some things you just can't say because it won't be received the mm-hmm. same way because not everybody is willing to think differently. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? Oh boy, let me get to these. Uh, in, yeah. oh, it says true. He it says it's an eye opener, right? I was raised, raised in California, melting pot. Yes, yes, yes. Right, great story. Yep, yes, you got to go. Right, excuse us, dog, in the background. The so minute tried to talk to me about uh, or talk me out of traveling to Ghana. See, yes, 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 yes. It, same here, same here. So, my father's from Ghana. And when I said, you know what, I want to go. Well, why you want to go over there? Well, you ugh, you go over there, you go get diseases. It's crazy. Yes. But it's the type of people that look like us that think that way when they don't educate themselves. So now they're afraid. Do you know how never many people never be? And, and listen, won't ever go. Do you know how many people try to say, hey, don't go into the military. You're just going to go to war and die. Yo, I didn't been retired and still here. But do you know the funny part is the ones that was saying that they're still what? where they're at. Yes. And, and you know that that thing I wrote the other day, I saw that um, Jamila says um, fear paralyzes people and keeps them hostage from exploring new things. And it's really, really true. I posted a, um, a comment yesterday or the day before, and it says people won't change until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. You, you know, go. and so that fear, once you you're stifled in the place so long and you just feel so uncomfortable when that is unbearable, people are like, you know what? I'm just going to go. And you'll see solo travelers all the time. I've been afraid all my life to go anywhere because of everything people said. But in my heart, I always wanted to do it. Yes. So I got on Facebook and I found this solo troop and I fit, I mean, trip uh, group and I found that it wasn't just me. There's several people out there. And now I've gone and I've been on 30 trips around the world by myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you don't necessarily have to have somebody because if they're going to stifle you from that or hand down those emotions, we talked about hand me down emotions before um, and putting that fear on you that you may not necessarily have or that fear that you have doesn't necessarily override your desire to to grow or to do or step out. Um, then sometimes you got to leave them behind. 
Yeah, you, you know, do. Let them stay where they are and you go out and just go. Yeah. You'll do that thing that you want. But people try to tell me all the time about certain. I'm like, have you ever been? I'm like, no. I'm like, oh, that's funny because I have. See? You know? And then the question is, yeah. who are you going to be mad at when you don't do it? When you don't. Experience it for yeah. yourself. You yeah. know? Just the hardest thing to live with is regret. You Absolutely. know, you go and you don't like it. What did you lose? You exactly. found out that you didn't like it and you experienced it for yourself. You never go. You always be. What if? What if? Maybe. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So you ready for the next one? I'm ready. Okay. okay. So declinism. Um, I don't know if a lot of people have heard about this one, but it really is closely related to like negativity bias. Okay. But it's really. um. And in this time, we can see it, how people talk about like the good old days, right? Talk about um, they just get nostalgic about when certain music comes and they tend to see the past in an overly positive light um, and they view the present or the future very, very negatively. And so we think that, oh, things now are worse than they used to be. And then you're like, this one is typically surrounding like um, states or countries or institutions, things like that. And we forget because we want to look back things on things fondly, but we forget um, all of the, the things that happened, the challenges, the hardships. You know, I think about today and people are like, oh, we're in such a worse place. And I'm like, as a woman, you know, just 50, 70 years ago, you know, now I'm able to vote. Now I'm able to uh, have a family without being ridiculed for in, in a sense, you know, for being single. I'm able to uh, hold a job in, in a career field or in a service that, you know, it wasn't really widely known to women. It was small pockets, you know, in the beginning of like Air Force or the Wasp or whatever. But that wasn't historically the same thing. Women had to disguise themselves and, you know, even back in the samurai days, they had to disguise themselves as men just to do what, you know, they wanted to do. And so, yes, things may, we have some challenges, but are they really, really worse than they used to, to be? So when people talk about, you know, the good old days and then combine with, you know, where um, all the things that are going on now, we kind of overestimate how great the past was. <laughs> and um, we overestimate how negative now is and then we have this really really dim future and so it really clouds our judgment as to the the time that we're really really living in so it makes us believe that you know the worst is yet to come it's like doomsday thinking you know the worst is yet to come and so you know in times like this we really have to say okay you know we have a negative worldview or whatever but and there's a lot of things that are going out going on but what are the facts what are the evidence? And we keep saying that because facts and evidence will help you to make, you know, with your critical thinking and help you to make logical and rational decisions about life. You know, what is the evidence that supports that right now is worse than 50 years ago? Because I remember 50 years ago what we were doing, you know, or 60 years ago what we were doing. Uh, much of it the same. Is it really worse? But what came out of that? There's so many things that came out of the hardships of back then, you know, that have made life easier for us all today yes we still have a lot to work on yes we still have things that are going on um you know it's not like we've arrived or anything like that but is today really really are we still drinking out of segregated uh fountains you know are we still unable to uh, obtain those passports 
what are the facts about the state that we're currently in? So, you know, right now, a lot of people are, I was reading um, an article and it was like, a lot of people are, you know, feeling depressed and everything like that. Um, and they were like, it might not necessarily be the state that we're in, but because of declinism. Um, everybody is feeling like, like I said, doomsday, and it affects our mental health because our views are not really based on facts and things like that. We can still travel. We can still uh, do the things that we want to do, but everybody makes it seem like, you know, we are just in such a rut and that the world is just going to just go to, you know, whatever. And then, you know, another reason for that is, you know, the 24 hour news cycle. We're constantly bombarded with negative and violent images constantly. And so when we already are feeling a certain way and we see all of these images, even though we, we can walk outside and see that things are perfectly normal in our neighborhoods and that we have so much to be grateful for or thankful for uh, because we constantly sit in front of that TV and we're watching it confirms what we already have been told or what we've ingested or decided to believe. Um, and then it just makes things so much worse. And then even political campaigns, you know, they run and it's basically talking about the negative things that we have going on. And if you vote for me, how I can make this great, but it's focused on the negative things. So everything around us is negative. And so we tend to be in a mental and physical and emotional decline as a country. And then if everybody believes that, you know, our society is getting worse, then it almost becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because what we believe, what our expectations are, we tend to act on those. And so we act that way where maybe it couldn't have been if there were some people that stood up and say, it's not that bad, you know, enough people. And we're going to do what we can with what we have. Um, then things might get better. But if we continue to act on all of these negative thoughts, ideals, and feelings, then we can, again, self, or we can fulfill that prophecy ourselves by acting in a manner that supports that and continues to have us go down because we do act on our beliefs. So, I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be that. And we'll talk about how to um, avoid it. But Seth, do you have any instances where, you know, you had that negative thing or somebody else was talking about how great something used to be and then it makes you feel like today, you know, or what you did or accomplished um, wasn't that good. And so there's really no hope for the future. You know, you ever not, not, that? no, no, not necessarily. But um, I do have two points about that and. And, and I bring it back to the, you know, the choices that we have to make, mm -hmm. the choices that we have to make. Two things. If you are in a situation and individuals are telling you the way things used to be and things were great back then, you need to think in your mind before you say it. For who? Because <laughs> I know I would say that. the bottom line is for who? So it might have been great for you back then. But if I was there back then, it would not have been great for me, you see. So you but again, to make sure that the conversation doesn't go south, you need to just sit, try to sit and listen to their point of view, because what we can't do is go back in the past. We're only responsible for the now, because that can create uh, worry and anxiety. And when you think about the social media or even the uh, the news, their job is to invoke fear. So when you don't want to uh, be 
surrounded by all that fearfulness, just understand the mechanics of why things happen first and then understand the powers that you have. So, no, I don't have to believe that. And it might have been that way, looking at the evidence, of course. But then what are you willing to do today? So that's the first point. The other point is people tend to say or they, they tend to speak on back in my day. I back in my day, I had a conversation last week about you ever heard those people, the older individuals, you say, you know, we used to walk and walk to school six miles and 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 and, and five feet of snow. And first of all, you probably didn't. Second of all, I don't care. You know, I care, but I'm glad that you're here. But listen, we don't have to do that. What happened back then is not pertinent today. Based off of what's going on right now, thank goodness we have the Internet. So the kids don't even have to go to school. They can do it, you know, uh, 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 online. So situations aren't the same. Technology has changed. So if you think about it, is there things that was so great back then that we need, still need that because all the things that we have in front of us right now isn't worth it. And I always go back to the the rotary phone versus the smartphone. Why was it that great to go back? Why? Is there any reason we should go back to the rotary phone, ladies and gentlemen? No. So think about those times and, and how, well, you know what? Life was good when we had the rotary phone. Really? Really? Right. That's the road. That's the that's the whole uh, rosy effect and nostalgia effect. You right. know what I mean? It was that's all we had back then. And then when we think back, we didn't think that it took us, you know, thirty seconds to dial that's ten right. numbers. You know, exactly. but what we think about was oh, that click 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 click. And so we look back on it more fondly than it actually was. And during a lot of time of you know racial tensions in our country, people are going back and remembering like, oh, we used to go to the baseball games, and it was you know buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks and we used to do and you're like okay and you they forget or block out or a lot of them don't even know about all of the um, things serious things that were going on in the country because a lot of people you know we jump on these during election times and stuff or bam, bandwagon politicians but they've done no research you know have no historical references they don't know what it was like for people that didn't look like them or that weren't in neighborhoods like them um that didn't have uh, certain things that they had. And so they're able to look back on a lot of those things. And even for people that say, um, you know, black folks back then, you know, you think about the time when we used to be in a juke joint, you know what I mean? And we used to do this and the music is what kept you and everything like that. And people look fondly on that. Um, and they don't spend a lot of time talking about the hardships, mm -hmm. you know? So because of that, it can cause people to feel like the past was so much happier. It was a better time. And, you know, we talk about, you know, making America great again, like you said, for, for who, but it's because people tend to look back on things more fondly than they actually were kind of block out all the bad stuff because we don't want to remember that it's pain. Right. We don't right. want to go through that. So we talk about all the good times, which clouds the, you know, the, the whole view of everything for the people that you're talking about and also the way that you uh, perceive where you're at in the future. Mm -hmm. So it looks like, because you remembered all the good stuff. I remember when I was a kid and we used to play street ball and we used to do all these types of things. Oh, how I missed that. Oh, how I missed that. But I also remember being hungry. See? 
And I also remember having to walk four hours to school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also remember uphill mm-hmm. <laughs> Paradise Hills. And I also remember the things that I did not have, you know, but then I can get caught up in, you know, our we call them superior kids and how we used to just make stuff happen and forgetting that we had to do that out of necessity. It was a survival skill. Mm -hmm. It wasn't necessarily because we just wanted to do it and we had the luxury. No, we're going to steal the fruit off trees because we had no food. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Or we had to go do these things because we didn't have, we couldn't just readily go out and do, you know, to the store and just buy stuff. So we had to to do what we had to do to survive. And truth be told, we have fun doing it while we're working, climbing trees and all this. You know, we're playing with our friends in the meantime. But the reason behind it was because of survival. We had to survive. Right, right. And 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 to your point too, there's things that I would say is the things that we did experience. Ignorance is bliss, ladies and gentlemen. So, you know, now that we are in the time and in, in, in the uh, information age, there's things now that we have, thank goodness, that we have that if we looked back, like, hold on, that was, that was going on. For example, you can say, you know, back in the day, we had such a, our neighborhood had, was such a community where we can go into anybody's house and everybody knew everybody, right? Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, now we're able to see and to do a little bit more research to find out not everybody in your neighborhood is mentally there, right? And there are some people that you would not let your son or daughter go to, right? You wouldn't let them connect with because of those type of mental issues. But now we have technology where those individuals may be listed now. Right. So now it gives you that information. So you're right. Sometimes it, you you hold on to what was going on in the past because you didn't have the information that would have prevented certain things. So yeah. be cognizant of that. It was fun back then. It can still be fun now, but with information, now you can make more of a uh, finite decision on how you move forward. Because if you keep focusing or looking backwards, you don't know where you're going. Absolutely. And that's a good segue into how to avoid it. And it really is, you know, even when we look back fondly, you know, what was it really like? We were kids, we were this and this and that. We weren't really um, aware of all the things, the struggles that some some adults had to go through. So the best thing to do is go back and look at statistics, look at poverty levels, go look at uh, life expectancy, go look at uh, medium income, you know, median income, go look at um, different things that were going on, the statistics from back then to see that, oh, you know, I might've been okay, but maybe my, my parents were struggling a little bit, you know, or give you a more um, a factual basis on what was actually going on in the time. And then another way to avoid that particular one is declinism is to look at all the good things that are going on right now. A lot of people, like you said, the worry and anxiety, you know, one keeps you stuck in the past. One keeps you worried about the future, you know, fear and all this kind of stuff. Um, But look at what's going on good right now, because despite everything that's going on in this world, we all can find one good thing that's going on with us today if not three or four or 10 or 15. So many businesses are booming. Yes, the uh, you know economic, um, um, what do you call it? What, what I'm, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, state is, is in a difficult spot right now, 
but people are becoming entrepreneurs. People are being able to hone their crafts and making money off of it. People are able to focus on their families. And sometimes family is more important than the dollar. You know, people are able to connect with their children or repair relationships because they've always been on the go, on go. And now we got to sit here and look at each other and figure this thing out. You know, so there's so much uh, that can be said that is positive about right now. First time ever we're doing this homeschool where we're able to be with our kids or teleworking and being able to be home and take care of the things and, you know, and still get paid and not have to waste gas going, you know, 45 minutes an hour one way and then back and fighting traffic and all this and all that. We saving time every single day, uh, saving energy, saving money. Uh, my laundry probably ain't that much because I got on a nice shirt, but I got on yoga pants. You know what I'm saying? So there's so much that we can look um, forward to that's positive about right now to help us to stop going into that decline, stop going into that negativity bias. Because again, once something negative happens, we find everything to confirm that. And it keeps pulling us down into a mental you know, ditch, a hole or whatever, this black hole. And it's harder to climb out of. Mm-hmm. But gratitude every single day, finding the positive in your day will help to uh, combat that. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You're absolutely right. And, and I will always go back to Ask yourself, what is it that you want to do in your conversations? Like, what is the result? What is the reason for? Because if you think about it, individuals that's telling you how things were in the past or what they've experienced and how it was that much better. Essentially, they're saying that what's going on right now or you, you're not there yet. You get what I mean? Or you you haven't experienced what I have to experience or that I've endured to help me to be the person that I am. So since you don't and since you haven't been there, you're going to be this type of person. Think about it. There are some elder individuals that feel as though because they haven't struggled and had to, you know, uh, feed the cows back in the day and had to pick up barns and everything that the new generation of kids don't have work ethics. That's not exactly true. So how about we teach them those work ethics based off of what they have right now? There's no reason to feed cows in the morning, okay, to get that milk. They can go around the corner of Walmart, ladies and gentlemen. And the deal is finding out and connecting with them and showing and instilling that work ethic now. You can't go back. I'm sorry. It's it's done and over with right now. And there's no way right now that we know of that we can get back there. Right. It's so funny that every every generation, I'm saying this real quick, but every generation probably felt the same way about the generation. Because when they was back there with horse and buggies and then now we got cars. Oh, we used to walk. We used to do this. We used to have to clunk, clunk, clunk. Now you guys just rolling along. But every new generation, you know, the generation before talks about how lazy they were or how this, but they become more innovative so they stop using hands and start using mind exactly turned as i mean it's um is uh spoken about as being lazy but mm-hmm. far from that they're exercising different muscles exactly because we, can, because we yeah. evolve and yeah. so you know when people say that i'm like eh, y'all, and so that's what i mean stop. so we need to we need to watch out yeah. and listen to hear those individuals hear them out but make sure that we don't become like that. For example, I love music. I DJ and I produce music. I have to check myself when I say, hey, the best music was in the 90s. 
or right. the best R and B was then because. Yeah. In the 90s, our parents or our, you know, uh, family members were saying the best music was in the 80s or 70s. So let's get out of that and let's say, hey, this is good music for this time. Mm -hmm. And watch this. If you can't dig it, that does not mean that it's not diggable for other individuals. So, again, watch your energy. Watch your energy that you're trying to, again, bandwagon. Right. Bandwagon people like, you know what? No, that ain't music. Why shut up, boy? I'm about to put on some this real music. See, so what you're doing is you're shutting out individuals. So and stifling creativity. Yeah, it is a stifling creativity and also imagination because mm -hmm. you don't have to downplay or discredit what's going on right now. What you can do, you can help influence it. You can say, hey, I hear what you're listening to. And listen and then say, right. well, here, how about you listen to this as well? Right. Mm -hmm. So you share instead of tear down. And that's what we do subconsciously. So just make sure you don't do that. Make sure you don't tear down an individual based off of what they haven't experienced. Mm -hmm. OK. And saying, well, this used to be good. But as soon as they got this new person in uh, in this position, now it's going all to all, all to the pots. Chill out. Yeah. And then chill out. But. We're getting ready to go to our last one, ladies and gentlemen. Name bias. All right. Name bias. Uh, Seth, oh, can I ahead. say this? Go ahead. Hashtag where you from. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. have biases about the names about people from where they're from. Yes. I'm just saying. Right, <laughs> right. Where you're from. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah. So make sure you put where you're from and, and just think about this. So let me give you guys a quick definition. That's when you judge a person based on their name and perceived background. All right. This is especially important when we are connecting with individuals or want to. And for example, just being real quick, my uh, situation, my name is Seth. All right. My name is Seth. However, my father's from Ghana. So my mother made the conscious decision to give me his first name. But then I did not have his last name. His last name is Ajay Frimpong. All right. From Ghana. Her thought process is she did not want me to be excluded from things, especially when getting a job or just trying to work in this society, even going to school and be uh, treated differently. So on paper, ladies and gentlemen, when you see Seth Miller, this is not what you're thinking. So maybe sometimes the name either gets you in the door or it keeps you behind the door. So just think about ways that you can avoid that. Camille, have you ever dealt with that? I have. Um, uh, during my psychology, you know, whatever, we did a lot of uh, different studies and stuff. And one of them was name bias. And it shows that, you know, people with black sounding or African-American sounding or ethnic sounding names, um, they're less likely to get a job two times, you know. Or white sounding name is twice as likely to get hired than a black sounding name. And, you know, they did studies with all things on the resume exactly the same, except for the name. And that one thing disqualified uh, that particular resume, even though all they did was switch names. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so it proves that people do uh create judgment about who you are based on your name. And so I used to say that all the time, my kids' names are Kayla and Julia, you know? And uh, people that have all these names that are hard to pronounce and hard to, they associate that with difficult people. 
oftentimes, mm -hmm. you know, and that they must be ghetto or they must be this or, you know, an Asian sounding name may, depending on if you're in a techie department or something like that, it may carry more weight than Camille. You know what I mean? Or depending on your field, they might give, um, give the real name. <laughs> um, so they might um, subconsciously or unconsciously uh, choose who they think is a better fit just based on that, because typically they think that Asians are better in IT or, you know, techies or um, whites are better at white males are better at math or, um, you know, whatever, you name it, it's out mm -hmm. there. Black women are better cooks, I'll just say. And so uh, you will, again, a door may be opened or it may be shut based on a name. And it's a sad thing that we have to do that, but it's true. And that's it's the deal. True. And it's that been proven. So. Yes, it is. And it's very, very unfortunate. So what can we do in that process? We do not have to judge individuals based off of their name, prejudge individuals based off of their name, but let's look at their attributes. Let's look at their skills, right? Let's look and see what they can bring to the table. And, and for my brother's point right here, right? He says, give the real name from Africa to members of your family. So it's funny. My middle name is Ajay. My daughter's middle name is Ajay. And my son's middle name is Ajay. So it's my responsibility to hold on to that, all right? Because I understand what it means. And it's not everybody's responsibility. It is my responsibility. But it's also, uh, it's my responsibility to know that I have to, I have to set my daughter and my son up at least in the realm of success because of this society, right? Well, I have to, I have to. And this is just me personally. There are some people may say, hey, well, you know, uh, well, it doesn't matter what his name is. I, I want to name, name my daughter Tequila and I like Tequila. Okay, but understand what certain names are associated with. Right now, you may love the name, right? You may love the name, and before the 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 alcohol was named tequila, might have been a great name. But look at society. So society may think, oh, okay, so you came up with that name. I guess that's how you was conceived with some tequila. Oh, that was your mama's favorite drink, right? Or, 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 or Alize, or. Mercedes. So, so look, your mama didn't drive one, so she birthed one. Okay, whatever. So that is the perceived notion, and that may not be the case, but we have to make sure we set that up. You, you get what I mean? Absolutely. I've had conversations, like I said, with people several times, and I'm like, oh, you might want to rethink that, and here's why. And I would give them a little bit of background. And I say, if you still choose to, you know, because names mean certain things yes. to people. You mm -hmm. know, but they also carry weight in society. And then they also say that your name is a reflection or it, it, it it's who you are. That's right. You know, and I, I just for me and I'm not saying anybody, if there's somebody out there named Tequila or something like that, I'm not, you know, dogging your parents. They named you that for whatever. And you be proud of your name. But I just don't want my child to have people judging them. Because you named after an alcohol, like that's the best your mom could do. She must have been drunk when she had you. Exactly. You know, you know and so, mm -hmm. yes. And then people tease them about that and it affects their self-esteem and it affects the way that they behave and they start acting out and it affects the way that um, they're able to interact with people. And so they already have challenges. And then we put another one like that on them. And I just 
for me, I'm looking out for the kids, you know? So I just be like, but if that's what you choose, then okay. You know what I mean? Then okay. Um, but because that's your choice, but you have to think a little bit further than just now. And you know, kids can change their name when they get grown. Like my daughter, she's a mom, change, change your last name if you want to. I don't care. You know, you're grown now. You can make that decision on what you want to do, you know? And some people, um, his name is energy. Yes. Don't forget that. Um, and some people want to, one guy, his name was close to like a, um, a genitalia, you know? And mm -hmm. so he ended up changing his name to Jane, uh, Zane, mm -hmm. you know, when he was old enough, he was, uh, I think in his late teens or early twenties, because people would continue to, um, make fun of his name all the right. time. And he was just like, you know what? I'm changing it. So he changed his entire name. I don't blame him. You know what I mean? Right. But it does carry and, and, and people prejudge you based on your name. They, you know, we had contests like, okay, this name is this, where you think they from, what you think they look like, what do you think, how she sound, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and people just kind of do it unconsciously because we look at a name and we assume things about people. So yes. I want to give my kids the best chance knowing that there are already some challenges that they have. I don't want to do something that's going to create additional lifelong challenges for them mm -hmm. uh, yeah. in the realms of success. Right. And, and, and then sometimes we have to watch how we think And it, it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what we're talking about. The confirmation bias. We need to understand why we think the way we think. And when it comes down to the name bias based off of a person's name, we may assume that they only have certain capabilities yes. and that's not true. That is not the truth. Look and see what the individual has done and to see their credibility, right? Let's see their credentials because, and, and I'm going to be completely honest, we came into a situation where um, a dentist's name was Jamal. Now, right off the bat, how do you think Jamal looked or would look, okay? Mm -hmm. But going to the office, not only was Jamal not an African-American, he was an older white gentleman with all these uh, uh, credentials on the wall, doctor, right? Dennis, and, and, and did a very, 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 very great job at, his, at what he did. So it's not about the name, but we have to be cognizant to make sure we don't put up that barrier because we're assuming all Jamal's look like look like this and you know with the hood and, and and talking like that that's not the case because yeah. if you're not a part of that family you don't know what was put behind that name that could have been their great grandfather's yeah. name passed down right someone a great friend someone that was influential in their family mm -hmm. so just think about that and if you are a pioneer in your organization or an influencer, you want to make sure that you create that type of uh, diversity and to help individuals to think outside of the norm, right? You have to think outside of the box because if you keep creating the same status quo, then you're not changing anything, especially when certain things like that needs to be changed. Yes. I, it's, I had the same thing. I had two commanders. Um, one was Tyrone and one was Craig. I walked in the office looking for one thing and um, yep, two white men. 
you know, and they were older white gentlemen. And um, so totally, I'm like, oh, and then I didn't want to go. I had to look at the last name to make sure I was talking to the right person, you know, upon first meeting them. And I'm like, oh, wow, like your right name really is Tyrone. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, we laugh about that. And it was like, yeah, I get that all the time. You know, mm-hmm. people expect a certain thing. I'm like, oh, well, where'd you grow at? Grow up at, you know, oh, well, I grew up in cornfields or whatever. I'm like, where your mom get that name from? You know, but we would just laugh about it and talk about the the background. But that they had to experience that all the time, that people thought they were something that they're not. And a lot of times it's not for that box, you know, what your ethnic ethnicity is or whatever uh, your background is, um, then people wouldn't know. Um, so I, I've done that as well because our minds, you know, like we talked about last week, uh, it takes shortcuts. There's a heuristic effect is what they call it. And our, our brains take shortcuts to minimize and filter out all of the stuff to help us make quick decisions. So when we see names and we're looking through 50 resumes and we only have an hour to do it, our minds automatically flip to what we already know. Typically, Craig or Tyrone or uh, Jamal is associated with Black people. And Mm -hmm. if you want your organization to look one way, you're probably not going to pick Jamal. And you might miss out because Jamal was really a white person anyway. And he probably had the um, the credentials or vice versa. You know what I mean? Um, Sue, a name like Sue. Mm-hmm. Could be Sue or Deb or whatever. Could be the person that you're looking for. But because of the name, you automatically eliminate them from the uh, list of possibilities. Or what and about, what about uh, a Terry? Or Terry, my uncle so, Terry too. You know? you don't know. You look at it, you may think this is a woman. So yes. there's certain, and then what, what we do is, is we will attach our yeah. own biases to what we think. And again, ladies and gentlemen, that's what we're talking about: how yeah. to not fall into that trap, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. and then not to you falling into that trap, you are excluding. Mm-hmm. diversity and you're excluding your um your thought process when it comes down to expanding and your own thought you absolutely. absolutely same thing gender biases like you said you know we put in whys and names now uh, that typically have eyes that would differentiate between a, a male and a female but now the males have the whys and you know starting with k's instead of c's and so it confuses people and i have a my daughter has a, a young beautiful young lady her name is erin you know, when I thought I, initially, I thought it was E-R-I-N or something like that, but no, or E-R-Y-N, but it was A-A-R-O-N. See? The male spelling of it. Mm-hmm. But that was, you know, a, a family thing um, and it was passed down. But had I seen her name on a piece of paper, I would have been confused at the person I was looking at, you know, and then she explained or whatever. Um, but we automatically, our mind, because of the biases, because of the things that we've been taught to believe or we know uh, that we've con- been conditioned to, our, our biases play a huge part in our decision-making and how we act. Um, even when it, like I said, in terms of hiring people or having people on our team when only given a list of names. And so we have to be very, very cognizant of that, making yes. sure that we look, is the person qualified? Despite what their name is, is the person qualified? Are they who we're looking for based on all of these you know, pieces of information not just about how I feel about a particular name or, you know, what I, I associate with that name. So Absolutely. you have to be very, very conscious of that. Yes, 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 you do. You do. And, and you know, I, um, ladies and gentlemen, hopefully 
this is making sense to you, right? Hopefully, this is what what you 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 know you you're getting something from this. And and share, 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 please. Thumbs up, hearts, and and everything. We talked about the confirmation biases. We talked about the anchoring biases, the contrast biases, bandwagon effect, the affinity bias, and decline declinism right and, and then also the the name bias so let's utilize this time especially today this morning or wherever you are in this world this evening i saw someone is in uh, japan so shout out to you just take this time and understand what type of uh biases that you have what has it prevented and what has it enabled and how do you want to carry on the rest of this year and your life, right? And your life. What you got? Final word, Camille. Um, just being aware of them helps us to behave and act differently. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we do things and we're not aware. And that's why we're here trying to bring awareness of the things that may stifle us in life, stifle our thinking, stifle our relationships to help bring light to those things and help us to find ways to overcome them to be more successful, not only in our own thinking, but in our lives in general. So um, with all of these biases, they happen on a subconscious, unconscious level a lot of times. But now that you know better, take a pause mm -hmm. and you can do better. Right. And you can stop and think about thinking. I always say that we don't take enough time thinking about thinking, thinking about why I'm feeling this way, why I'm acting this way, why am I feeling you know, having this adverse reaction when there was nothing really wrong. And then we can make better choices about how we want to proceed in the future than we have in the past. And then we can learn that standing alone is okay. Mm -hmm. Being in your own thoughts is okay. Going against the grain is okay when it's right, it's right. So that's right. That's yeah. right. And again, make sure you're getting your own, uh, or you're doing your research, mm -hmm. you do your research and find out if what you feel is actually true. But again, when you find out, listen, you can't refute the truth. Okay. You, you can't do that, right? You can deny a lie, but you can't deny the truth. So be aware of the information that you get, especially if you're holding on to something, if you still holding on to something that's back in that's, that stemmed from the sixties, fifties, seventies, or even yesterday, is it still relevant? Okay. Is it still relevant for this type of people? Is it still relevant for your life? Is it going to be relevant for your child? So you can change and manipulate the climate in your house, organization, and your, your employment. Yes. So, so you decide how you want to do that. But ladies and gentlemen, that is our time. We love y'all and we appreciate you guys for being on we thank you thank you thank you please share share and follow us hopefully you guys are doing that make sure that you follow us on facebook all sanity right check. yes it's sanity check with two k's right yes. sanity check with two k's and please like 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 share 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 because we can only do what we do with your help all right. And so we want to make sure you have a great, great Saturday and connect with individuals. And um, yeah, we will see you next week. Right. Hello. All right. <laughs>